Hello, and welcome to another episode of Otaku in Training. I'm your host, LB. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, CT. Good evening. And our trainees, Brandon. Hey. And Bama. Hi, everybody. So, alright, the subject of this month's episode is a recent series. It's My Next Life as a Villainous, All Roots Lead to Doom. Now, before we get into actual discussion, I want to talk about the decision-making process that went into this choice being made, because it was kind of involved. Uh, Basically, how it started was I knew that I wanted to show our trainees a comedy, but comedy is very subjective and what and a series that i find hilarious may not be hilarious to someone else and so i was going through a lot of different series trying to figure out the right one to choose ct was throwing in suggestions as well yeah and... series that both of us find funny uh oftentimes uh you know has way too much uh otaku stuff going on such as your lucky stars or your excel sagas very very particular and very uh further down the well than maybe (laughs) we want to uh to toss our our fine little newbies yeah so we were definitely thinking comedy but then we were also thinking isekai because isekai has been a very big genre over the last decade or so so we were thinking that and so we were thinking el hazard at first because you know that's relatively funny and it's an original isekai it's a good one to show to someone but neither of us were sure how well that series had aged so we kind of shied away from that. And finally, after we- a couple of more weeks of banging our heads against the wall, we finally came up with this one. And I think that we made a good choice with it. Now, before we get into discussion again, I just want to go ahead and say outright to Brandon and Bama, I don't know what your opinions of this series are yet. But I want to just say that we intended this for the best. We just thought that it was <laughs> it was a good way to dip your toes into various genres. We have the comedy, we have the uh, isekai, we have the bisexual harem. So we were just trying to kill a lot of birds with one stone, basically. So, so with that out of the way, let's go ahead, let's start with Brandon. So, with those first couple of episodes, because you were the one that I was most worried about with this one. I was really kind of concerned that you were going to absolutely hate this one and trash it for the entire show. But <laughs> for just based on those first couple of episodes, what was your first impression from this one? Um, little Katarina was adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Takeaway. Um, I mean, that's basically so. The I think it's the end of the third episode is when, yeah, up right. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, it it basically just it is her being adorable and it's it's (laughs) fun, you know, like it's doesn't really get into anything too dramatic and the beats are pretty 
predictable, but she just so enthusiastically her own person climbing trees and eating sweets and being oblivious that it's just fun, you know? Uh, Bama, how about you? With those first, like, three episodes when the story was being set up, what were your first takeaways from it? I kept being curious if they were going to show her grown up, and I agreed that she was just absolutely adorable. And I liked the the original premise, the the idea that she's expected to be the bad guy, and... Instead, she's just going to be this adorable little kind of geeky, I mean, like farm geek, which I never realized was a thing. <laughs> and, and, and just oh, being nice. We got nice another series for that. Yeah. And, and then she was just being nice to everybody when they were expecting her to be awful to them. And, and you know, it, it, it worked really well. And it was just super adorable. I mean... All that tree climbing, it was just so cute. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like, you know, the first couple of episodes went down pretty smoothly. It sounds like everybody had a positive first impression from this one. CT, do you remember? Because I know that you watched this one weekly, I believe, when I it first aired. Definitely watched it weekly. Um, I appreciated that I'm watching it you know, season two weekly right now as well. Uh, I appreciated the review of this because I had kind of forgotten. Everyone gets into very much a pattern and I'd kind of forgotten the setup for a number of the characters, uh, including Keith. I mean, you have the primary setup for, for Katarina. Uh, and I enjoyed the, uh, the Isekai spin Usually it comes from the perspective of someone in Japan getting hit by a bus or truck, truck coon, <laughs> so, <laughs> some kind of uh, thing. And we will find out that happens. We just don't see it. We see her otherworldly self fall down, bonk her head and suddenly remember a past life. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. We didn't we didn't need the setup on the other side. It, it comes in from the side. Uh, we, we start meeting the folks, uh, uh, you know, Jordo and, and Keith right away in uh, episode one. I had forgotten, for instance, things about Keith being adopted and, and coming in with episode one. I'd forgotten what is probably my favorite scene in the series where she takes an axe to his door when he locked himself in. It it, it feels like the utter personification of Katarina herself is her just overwhelming uh, uh, acceptance of all of these people and their... Uh, their dark id selves and she just hacks the door open and, and lets daylight in. So I, uh, I appreciated reabsorbing all of those elements and uh, re-meeting everyone again. Uh, I think it'll help, you know, with the, with however many are left of uh, season two, which aren't too many at this point, but uh, yeah, def definitely a fun revisit. 
So, alright, before we start getting into the meat of the story, I want to go ahead, I also want to ask another question of Brandon and Bama, and Bama will start with you this time. Uh, so, within these first three episodes, we basically meet the entire harem that surrounds Katarina for the rest of the series, and I'm curious to know... Based on those first impressions in the first three episodes, did you have any early favorites? Did you have anyone that stuck out to you that, yes, you want that one, that harem member to be chosen in the end if that ending ever came? The albino chick, hands down, no questions asked. There is no second place. Absolutely. <laughs> She was too adorable and she matched beautifully and I I just I loved her to bits when they grew when she grew up I continued to love her to bits mostly as <laughs> <laughs> children definitely they 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 kind of met each other on the same level which was really nice uh, Brandon, how about you? Did you have any like early favorites uh, from the from the first impressions that you got in the first three episodes? I, you know, I I don't know that I could. Best boy, I'm not really sure, but I I think I probably agree that it was Sophia is is best girl at least <laughs> for the the younger kids, you know. Yeah, that's just to uh, I wasn't sure if you were going to ask me, but one of the things that I liked about the transition point as we're getting into it is you you kind of see the setup and because Katarina is narrating everything tactically and she starts with them going to school uh, as well. And she's like, oh, OK, well, you know, Alan's a problem, but, you know, I became friends with uh, Mary, so his fiance. So she's busy still thinking of everything in terms of how to prevent her doom and everything else. And we don't see the past seven years of her basically be smittening all of them. Uh, and obviously we know in the back of uh, uh our mind that uh, that's been going on for a while but right at that turn corner you're thinking well Sophia might be pushing for her brother and Mary's there uh, uh, you know as part so it may be your normal harem where it's just the four guys especially since they're outnumbered and you think that it's going to turn just okay she takes the place of Maria uh, but instead, right as you get to school, you can see, well, you know, Mary is by far the thirstiest of all of them. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. and, uh, Sophie is obvious as well. It was like, oh, oh, she, she just gets to claim everyone. <laughs> so, okay, that's fine. And then you're assuming the same thing will happen once Maria shows. You brought up something that I wanted to bring up as well. And I'm glad that you did, because it would have slipped my mind. I remember I actually read the first volume of the light novel on J Novel Club long before the anime ever aired. Uh, but I remember reading the first volume and getting to those internal monologue scenes. And I was, <laughs> once an anime was announced, I was so excited to see those scenes play out. <laughs> I wanted to know exactly how they were going to do it. And they did it so well. I loved those scenes. 
uh, one thing that I love about it is that in both the Japanese and English track, the same voice actress does every single voice of the internal monologue just slightly different, which I thought was a really fun choice. I'm really glad that they didn't hire different actors to play different facets of her internal personality. Yeah, that was hysterical. Like, I just love with the little mustache was just... (laughs) (laughs) Mustache was the best. Yeah, absolutely. As low as she can talk. Yeah. <laughs> so getting into the main meat of the series, this is when uh Katarina starts enrolling in the Magic Academy and she's really pursuing, you know, avoiding her doom flags however she can. Uh I'm kind of curious about and let's go ahead, let's start with Brandon this time. Uh I'm kind of curious at this point. Uh, were there any points of confusion? Because I know that we specifically tried to choose a series that wasn't too up its own ass with, you know, inside jokes and that kind of thing. But were there any issues with following the story up to this point? Was everything pretty clear? Or were there any points or any terms even that kind of confused you that you had to look up or were just wondering about and brandon we'll start with you yeah i um i don't know that anything stood out that i was missing i i I would imagine that i probably missed stuff but uh, the because of the main conceit of it all being part of an otomi game and i uh spent a couple of years (laughs) writing for a um playstation fan site and so we used to cover all sorts of like mm, very Visual Japanese things. Yeah, I just super su- the, the super Japanese stuff, you know, like yeah, it, you know, not the stuff that's been like made to be appealing to Western audiences, but like just straight up, some company was like, hey, maybe we can do like a, a subs on this and ship it out and put it on the Vita and whatever. So I don't know if it's maybe just because of my, you know passing familiarity with that kind of stuff that it was pretty easy for me to follow. Um, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was fairly straightforward, I think. Okay. And it's presentation. Uh, Bama, how about you? Did you have any like early issues that were confusing you or just kind of went over your head? If I did, I just sort of let them go over my head. I've never played a game like this. I mean, the closest I've ever come was the uh, very Western game Arcana, which was a lot of fun. Totally recommend. But nothing, no no Japanese dating sim games, anything like that. And I didn't really feel like I had a hard time following it. It's okay. pretty straightforward. So. I, I think part of actually what I really enjoyed about the show like there were parts of it where i was just kind of like eh. but i think part of what i liked about it is how much time it kind of spent sort of dunking on a lot of the otome tropes um and i just i just loved the like self-awareness that it was playing with there you know uh yeah brandon have you played anything 
in the neighborhood. I know you said you were you were covering things for a uh yeah. PlayStation periodical, but either dating sim wise or visual novel wise. I've played a few uh, so for dating sim stuff, I've not played proper like Otome's. Probably the closest would be Dream Daddy, which was lots of fun. But it, it that's a very, very Western take on that kind of thing. Um, right. I'm more familiar with like visual novel type stuff, which I haven't played a lot of, but uh, enough to like see a certain level of the tropiness. But a lot of, I think to an extent, it has more to do with even the the sort of um weeb culture i guess right <laughs> you know more than than directly uh playing the games I, it was more like news writing about the stuff so i had to like i was watching trailers a lot of the time um and so you know obviously that's some of the stuff that they would pitch is that kind of like the stuff they think would appeal to uh, weebs any of the bishojas, though the the get girls or the galgas, the uh, oh the other side of the coin, you know what predated it, what what Atomes are very much uh, you know modeled off of, just flipping the genders around. Uh, I I don't know that I could speak. I don't know if I'd be able to tell you really just off the top of my head. I just kind of osmosed a lot of it. Gotcha. Um, like there wasn't enough we kind of wrote about everything um so i don't know that like we were necessarily like an expert outlet for that kind of stuff but we did try to do what we could you know what i mean so it was uh i don't know that i could draw those kinds of lines necessarily yeah it's not like there's a whole lot that you have to grasp short of you probably went in knowing what a doom flag would be or or flags in general for that kind of game but short of picking up that central conceit everything else is just knowing that it's the oh it's it's games where you chat with the characters to try to change your relationship with them yeah some manner of dating sim is all you really need uh so continuing with these middle episodes i'm kind of curious about uh, were there any moments that kind of stuck out once this cast got into the Magic Academy and they were kind of all fumbling around trying to get Katarina's attention? Uh, with the introduction of Maria was what I was trying to get at there. So the introduction with Maria is she is the heroine of the story where she's supposed to be the heroine of the story while Katarina is supposed to be the villain. Uh, and Katarina just keeps going around stealing the event flags from the other characters, Yeah, which I found really hilarious. I thought that that was just a lot of fun, especially when she gets back into her internal monologue and is, and the general consensus is, eh, whatever. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Yeah. I thought that was very funny. Uh, but with the continued introduction, I'm kind of curious how everyone's first impression of Maria was and what uh, their general thoughts on her as not really the main character. Katarina is the main character. 
but I'm kind of curious to know what everyone thought of Maria at first and the situations that she was going through. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's hear from CT, actually. We haven't talked to him in a while. We've Who, been me? him off to the side. Yes. Uh, well, certainly uh, I-, I was enjoying the event stealing. I think my favorite was the, uh, the meta one uh, when they were kids and uh, her intro with Mary and mentioning the green thumb because then she's like, oh yeah, <laughs> I remembered the lines from the game and said that must be why I thought to tell it to her. <laughs> and then Alan did it uh, later. And uh, that was that was amusing. Uh, I think when Maria comes in, of course, you know, you, you enjoy the uh, parts in which Katarina's stealing from herself uh the the flags is basically she was always on the other side of the events being the bully and then she starts stealing <laughs> all of the uh events from Jordo and uh keith uh and other things uh the question of course was still going to be is she is katarina just supplanting maria or is she going to be a, a major character? Uh, and of course, she just sort of she slips in with the crowd at that point. But because she's the title character, the other thing you have to wonder is: okay, well, are the two of them going to be therefore the uh, destined? you know, the, uh, the the actual couple that'll show up at the end, and you have to wonder, is it going mm-hmm. to be strength of Maria's heroine-ness? But are they going to play... Is it going to be the kind of thing that sort of plays that off as shouldn't be? Because you get a lot of things where some kind of uh, same-gender romance is thought of as wrong... Uh, or is played off for laughs, so you also had to wonder whether or not uh, they were going to make something and turn it more into a a tired kind of joke. Uh, and of course, in this case, uh, Katarina maintains her position as the unfathomably dense romantic object, so a, a super shoujo heroine, but at no point <laughs> <laughs> at no point are they playing anything off uh what what feels like just you know illegitimately so uh i feel maria slotted herself in well we get to have another perspective and we still get to have sort of her kind of appeal for the other characters as well instead of her just being the good girl uh, uh, supreme archetype that steals everyone else. We we all know they've been superseded by Katarina's Katarinaness, but uh, you still get Maria's flavor mixed in with all of them, which uh, which works well. Uh, Brendan, how about you? What were you thinking about Maria when she first entered the series around episode four? Uh, I liked her i thought she was adorable um they i i think it's probably for most of the first three episodes she's just like 
like rapid fire meeting people and making friends with them and they're falling in love with her. And it's one of the few instances where I think the show took a little bit of time to like ease into this, what was sort of suggested to be a potentially like antagonistic relationship to like explain, Hey, this is why Maria would see her this way and whatever. Um, I thought it was enjoyable. I liked, I thought a lot of it was cute, even though, again, I, like, I feel like a lot of it was predictable, but in a good way, like the, you know, you, you can just call me Katarina stuff is nice. And, um, I think she was a, a nice addition to, to the cast of characters. There was, she was kind of fitting into a niche that I think was not filled. Uh, and I think it, it really rounded out the group. So this is a question for everybody as well. CT kind of brought it up during his answer, and I'm kind of curious to hear what everybody thinks. Anybody can jump in. On, oh, Bama, did you want to interject? Uh, yes. I, I, I was wondering if you were wondering how I felt about Maria when she first popped in. I was going to lead into that. Yeah. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, go go right it. ahead. No, no, please go for it. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, I just wanted fine. to <laughs> Okay. Uh, I was watching this with my not wife as usual. And right before Maria came in, Andy points to the screen and says, Maria's going to show up and she's going to be a total bitch. And I was like, you know, you're probably <laughs> right. You know, because it, it, at this point, the villainess is this effervescent, bubbly, plucky, adorable girl. So so we're going to need some, some hard, cold, in-your-face brash to, to balance out. And, and I was very pleasantly surprised to see that that was not the case. <laughs> Maria turns out to be completely adorable as well. And I'm like, Okay, cute overload. I'm here for this. <laughs> Bring on the kittens. I, I think it's. I, I think it's kind of interesting because I I think to an extent it it's an easy thing to jump to, because if Katarina's not the villain and the people like you don't know it yet, but like the other nobles are that are going to harass Maria aren't really face villains. You know they're nameless villains, right? So, like, you don't have a villain role. So you're kind of like, okay, well, clearly Maria has to be the villain, right? She's going to show up and fill that missing role in this story of being the villain, not just an antagonist, you know? And uh, so, like, yeah, that's a very um, easy thing to see how you'd come to that. And I think I, to an extent I had that sort of in the back of my mind, too. So I'm actually, I'm kind of curious about everybody's opinion on Katarina at this point and just how amazingly dense of a main character she is. And I'm kind of curious to know around the middle of the series, around, you know, five to eight episodes or so, just was anybody getting like annoyed with Katarina or was her denseness one of uh, something that we'd call a charm point? I don't know that I was annoyed by her density so much as sometimes it felt like the show was kind of belaboring the point. 
you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. look how oblivious she is. And sometimes it was just, sometimes it was very funny. And so it was enjoyable to watch. But sometimes it was like, yes, we, we get it. She does <laughs> not understand what's going on here. And these people are being like romantic and whatever, I guess. And that's, that's great. But like, it didn't, in some ways, almost kind of didn't fit with the show because the show is not the content of it is romance but like it's not actually the theme really like it's not about the romances so much as like the building of these relationships and managing of them and people getting along and being cute um and so like the when it was trying to veer into like everybody being so desperate to protect her and stuff like that i was like "Eh, okay like this is a bit much Uh, Bama, how about you? How are you feeling about Katarina and her incredible lack of awareness of everything around her? Literally, the first note I made about the entire series <laughs> says, Summer vacay. Okay, the naive thing is getting old. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it... It, it started to wear on me a little bit about this time. I was also getting a little irritated, I guess, at the other characters' blind acceptance and, and, and love and awe, and she can do no wrong. Yeah. It was... Uh, it got a little creepy when they were like, no, we would eat the mushrooms, even if they killed us. And I'm going, oh my God, what is wrong yeah. with you people? Like, they were Did so much Anne in love with her. her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. it is kind of. It was, Mary will walk it was a, a thousand little, miles. It was a little much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of funny. You know, in definitely a lot of series you have that kind of relationship with uh, uh, the characters even if it's just a normal romance you have the leads that have to be dense with each other because they can't confess to each other so you have to bounce them against each other and then make them not realize anything and move on with uh with anything because otherwise it's like oh oh no panic i have to advance the relationship can't have that happen i have 80 more chapters to write before i I proceed beyond a certain threshold uh so it can get very annoying but somehow with this particular show it it is so baked into the central conceit I mean, the the whole Doom flag and that thing is the cute wrapping paper around it, but it's just that Katarina is effectively going to operate as an accidental uh, (laughs) seducer of literally everyone, but cannot realize it at any point. Uh, So... Yes, I know it's it's digging in, but that's really, you know, that's the central conceit and the central yes. humor point of it. And they are a pack of lovable idiots in general. So I'm pretty easy uh, <laughs> with it getting bounced around. So even the the summer things and the other stuff, it's, it's the first time that they had 
all of the gang doing all of their things together because she had been, you know, uh, dealing with specifically with getting Maria introduced. So that was the first time you really had everyone, including Maria, settling into their pattern, which, yes, you can see this possibly happening for the next 50 episodes of the of the thing. And at some point it will probably get tiresome, but. It it still just feels nice. It's a spinning your wheel slice of life sort of approach that it it's just fun and somehow weirdly comfortable. So uh, <laughs> I'm I'm very loosey goosey on that sort of thing with with this show. Uh certainly not with all shows. Yeah, I agree with most of that. Like there were it, it wasn't so much that it was annoying as there were certain points where i kind of got bored because it was like yeah but this isn't actually meaningful it's just kind of it it feels a little bit filler ish like yes we're going to continue on this path of like she's oblivious and nobody you know even they're oblivious in a lot of cases like they might know one or two or whatever but like the only one that seems to really understand what the hell is going on is Maria. Um, she's <laughs> like, oh, literally all of these people are into her. And that's okay. Like, the it was it episode eight where they're all trapped in the book, which yeah. I thought was a hysterical episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, Maria's just, like, sitting there. I, I think it was Maria. And just being like, no, it's totally cool that she has all these moments with these people that like really care about her. There's, it's not a big deal. It's like compersion city. And I'm like, you know what, Maria, you're pretty awesome. And then <laughs> which Mary, right. Was the one that was like freaking the hell out. The entire time. <laughs> yeah. So like, aisle the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah right. Like, okay. Mary, you gotta like, you gotta roll it in just reel it in just a little bit. Like, Man, that's that you're kind of overpowering with this. Like, the possessiveness is a bit much, you know. Um, but that that episode, I think, was so like I think like episodes six and seven for the most part were kind of felt like a bit of a drag for me, um, and it was kind of waiting to sort of hit that stride in episode eight where it just kind of took off again. Uh, yeah, actually, I wanted to highlight episode eight because I had such a good time with this show, with this particular episode. I thought it was really good. The only thing that's kind of a bummer about it and is this isn't really a spoiler, but uh, they kind of do the same thing in season two at one point, yeah. which is kind of a little tiresome. But the first time they do this in in season one with the book and everyone having to have their desires met before they can be released from the book, I thought that this episode was really clever and it really stood out to me as one of the fun as one of the funnier episodes, mostly because I loved how everyone around her desires were all about making Katarina happy and having them with her and taking her kiss or whatever and katarina's big desire was to eat a big candy house Mm -hmm. well i love that that's 
that we find that out what like one or two after we find out what Sophia's is and she's like do you love me more than sweets <laughs> it turns out that actually no. yeah yeah she <laughs> likes the sweets more <laughs> everyone loves Katarina Katarina loves sweets yeah <laughs> and uh and yes while season two does this again remember Maria and Mary don't get a uh you know, a vision in the book here because they were outside it. So they get the, I feel like that episode in season two is to get both of them and Maria's scene is short, but so utterly hilarious that, uh, yeah, that, that makes the whole episode worthwhile to me. Uh, so, uh, Bama, how about you? How are this episode in particular? I know that if I recall correctly, you're kind of a big reader. If I recall correctly, I, you you can correct me if I'm wrong about that, but I'm kind of curious to know, you know, how did, did this episode stand out to you as well as for everybody else? Or how were you feeling about this one? It did. I, It was so weird. It was just a very strange <laughs> episode, I thought. Um, I agree, and I absolutely loved the the comments that Bran was making about the compersion. I was laughing and nodding furiously with my mic off. <laughs> but I've also been eating, so it's a thing. Because I am Katarina. Yeah, it's all good. You all know now. <laughs> <laughs> That that just means also, you're feeling a spiritual connection with Katarina. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, Andy and I decided that Katarina is food sexual, and that's something I could relate to on a very basic <laughs> level. Katarina is food sexual. Everyone else is Katarina sexual. That's yes. really all Pretty that, much. All yes. No. What What got me about um, the book episode more than anything else was. I felt like that's, and it it didn't surprise me to hear that they go that direction in season two, because that, that was one of the things that I wanted to know a little bit more about. I mean, are are there other books in there like this? What, this, this looks like an entire library full of very interesting places you could go with a plot and with an, with a show. So, uh, I, 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 kind of figured that that's what season two would look like is more of an exploration of this of this library (laughs) (laughs) i would love to know exactly how either lucky or unfortunate you have to be to find this one special book out of all the others in this library just tucked away on a shelf and within arm's reach that happens to be cursed and magical i mean how (laughs) either how lucky or unlucky do you have to be to find that one special book it's uh it it blinked at her didn't it it uh yeah through her attention this book finds her (laughs) some somebody put it on that shelf like, I don't know who put it on that shelf, but somebody put it on that shelf. Well, who yeah. was it who told her to go there to uh, to study more? <laughs> Mr. Serious Deke? Yeah, right. <laughs> I love that name, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, I'm just sitting there like... What's, what's that dude packing? 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, I do one one major shout out. Uh, the tuxedo mask bit was just it was great. The tuxedo mask bit was dead on and hilarious. Yeah. I could not agree more. It's even even to the point that like they kind of went with like that sort of animation style of the like effortlessly flying through the air at a particular angle. And, <laughs> you know, it was just, Oh man, that was so good. Another episode that I wanted to highlight is actually episode nine, the one right afterward. The reason why I want to highlight this episode is that even though it felt like kind of a recap of what was happening so far, I really liked that they made it from the perspective of the maid and personal attendant. And uh, I loved that she got a little time in the spotlight for a series that has such social hierarchy. Uh, I thought that it was a really interesting choice to let the personal attendant tell from her side of the story you know, what she's observed so far and also what Katarina means to her because of that scene where Katarina barges in and breaks up the marriage uh, invitation towards the end of the episode. I'm kind of curious to know what everybody else thinks about that one as well. Was the, Am I alone on that one or is that did that episode stand out as well to anybody? I think it was charming i think it i think what it really did is um it, you could i think have an interpretation of uh katarina being lucky in the way that she handles her relationships that like she just accidentally has a habit of saying the right thing or doing the right thing at the right time and having people just kind of fall head over heels for her and I think this particular episode does a great job of just being like, no, it's not actually that she accidentally does these things through sheer luck. Yeah, there's a lot of accidents to what she's doing, but it's like an accidental authenticity. You know, it's like the inverse of when somebody says a really shitty thing is like, oh, I didn't really mean it just slipped out of my mouth. It's like the inverse of that, right? Like she accidentally says all of these nice things or reassures people or makes them feel good in certain ways because she is genuinely always that person. Even if she didn't mean to say that thing at that point, it's the kind of thing she would say. And so like, the way that she makes people feel is very much about the kind of person she is, not that she's just uh, fortunate, as it were, you know? I agree. I um, One of the things that I kind of decided on in this particular episode is the nobility in this world is kind of skeezy. I mean, just overall. Yeah. Her, her parents are a little, alo- her dad is aloof. Her mom is a little creepy. Uh, Jordo gets really nuts when he's older. I, I, the first time, we, first thing he says as a, as a teenager yeah. that we hear him say to Katarina, I recoiled physically. <laughs> I was like, that was a cute little kid. What the heck? Um, yeah. the, the nobility is, is, pretty awful in this universe and as a result of that katarina's just showing some some basic humanity 
and, and she goes further than basic humanity. I don't, I don't want to, um, you know, sell her short. But oh god, my my screen went black. Can y'all hear me? Yep. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. Phew. Sorry about that. The screen just mm. went black. Um. No problem. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> I've got to remember what I was saying in a few minutes. Uh, she was being a good human being, but she was more than that. Yes. And she's more than that naturally. I agree. There was, there was something very genuine about her. But just being a good human being is enough in this world to make a huge impact. Because they're expecting yeah. her to be well, I mean, I think, absolutely awful. Well, yeah, I mean, I think if you look at, um, it's very much in the text of what these people would have been without her, that all of these royals would have been, had, you know, psychological disorders of one kind or another, where they would have, they were incredibly depressed or, um, very insecure and overcompensating to the point of like borderline like being cruel um you know you, you have a lot of these characters would have been very um selfish and uh mean to to other people to you know just by the virtue of the way they were raised essentially right like so it's it's not at all surprising that they, yeah you look at her parents you look at the baron that was um was it Anne's dad or whatever mm -hmm. like oh, yeah. they are cruel they are cruel people and like it's they, you can see how those kids would become those kinds of characters without someone like Katarina it's not too it tea of course there are examples i think the yeah. class are you know fairly good on their own even the mother's severeness is really just for katarina specifically uh <laughs> although of course she was the villainous before so she uh whatever mom was teaching her didn't uh turn her into a good person she's just now She's now a source of frustration and exasperated uh, love yeah. for her. The Ascart parents seem to be very good, but of course they society do. is going to treat Sophia as cursed the whole time, and Nicole yeah. would be very reserved because of it. So it's it's the class in there. But uh, the, now, now I'm going to get philosophical here, because I think this is the, the true magic that... Uh, Katarina represents at least whether you consider it an actual magic thing. She does have Earth Bump, which is a mighty, <laughs> mighty earthen power. But consider the the you know powerful magics of the rest of them. Obviously, it doesn't come through from her elemental thing, but I think as exemplified by episode nine, more forthrightly, what she's doing is she's running the gamut of uh you know the the various greek words for love uh you you have among the main cast who uh are seduced by her you have various levels of strong agape and obviously eros 
uh, uh, philia and the other things interfering, uh, coming in, but, uh, one very specifically, there's a type called philautia, which is self-love and self-regard. And we see that be a thing very specifically with Mary and Sophia, who are much better people because of the way that Katarina treated them as opposed to their own family or society and gave them the kind of confidence that uh, they feel they can, you know, return the love and pursue what she represents. Uh, Storge is uh, affection, especially between parents and children. So she improved that with with her parents, but even there you basically saw it where between her and Anne, uh, it was, you know, a, a serious other kind of love that she managed to provoke in her and, and effectively save her, give her more confidence to rebel against her uh, barren, illegitimate and futureless, quote unquote, as she was in that kind of society. She finds at the at the very least a strong not really parenthood, but certainly in that direction, or an elder sisterhood kind of familial love with Katarina through that. So I think that's brought out, and it's the kind of thing where you just see all of the various ways in which her knowing them as early as she did, or at all in this case, uh, has improved them and, and everyone around through that. So that's uh, that's what I feel her particular magic actually is, especially in this world. Yeah, I, I think that um, very often throughout the game, it, throughout the show, it, it is very much evoking gaming, right? Like it, she starts off trying not trying to avoid her doom flags and she is trying to game her interactions with the characters, which is a thing in video game relationships, right? The idea that if you hit the right buttons, then they fall in love with you. And like, she's not trying to get them to fall in love with her, but like to like her at least, or not hate her. And so she's like trying to hit the right buttons so that she doesn't lose the game at least. Um, and so like, you see that to an extent that's what she's trying to do but she can't help herself to do the less than optimal thing when presented with the actual people she will make a mistake and say a thing that she clearly shouldn't have said that was maybe even stupid considering the circumstances <laughs> but she can't not do it right like it's it's baked into it's part of the character that to her these are significant people they're not just video game characters where you say the right thing and then they do the thing you want right she she's trying to play the game but in the end she is so just inconceivably guileless that all she can be is her true self which in the end is exactly what everyone needs and helps them come to terms with with their own best selves. So she's basically just a geeky little otaku chick. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in this particular world, that succeeds far better than she thinks it ought to. 
because uh, of course in her own world she had basically her family and a friend and as probably many or most of us uh, uh, can empathize with that's likely all you really had going through your high school years anyway and it's like okay yeah. this will get me through and then whatever else comes after that that's fine but in her case she's forced to interact with so many people it's just doing that one exact same thing is what uh, brings everyone uh, uh, you know tightly alongside did anyone else have any thoughts about these like episodes eight or nine that they wanted to jump in with before we start talking about the ending maybe not necessarily about these episodes but just because uh atsu was brought up actually atsu's best girl (laughs) well yeah i think that's cheating is uh definitely that uh brings a a bunch of cheating to sophia since yes, uh, she carries absolutely. the soul of Achan. So, alright. So, we're into the last stretch of this series. We're into the final three episodes where they suddenly introduce an actual villain out of nowhere. Uh, I'm kind of <laughs> curious to know, uh, Bama, let's start with you. Uh, how did you feel when the the evil clouds the evil clouds first started appearing in episode i believe seven when they went into the dungeon but it wasn't until episode like 10 or yeah i think it was episode 10 where maria no you know goes to investigate and goes missing and we start meeting an actual villain of sorts and I'm kind of curious to know what your thoughts were once they introduced like a big bad evil person out of nowhere in episode 10. I was actually kind of surprised, I think. I, I and a bit relieved. I was like, okay, so so we are going to I I could definitely feel that they were building up to a, a big ending and I felt like the story needed a villain at this point um mm. i'm still yeah and i the only part i really didn't understand that i guess i'm still a little lost was was the shadowy stuff in the dungeon was that the same dark magic or was that something else i was a little confused about that too i was like i was trying to i as you mentioned, like the shadows, I was like, oh yeah, what the hell was that shadow in the dungeon that, I don't know, saved them? Because Sophie was like, I didn't do it. So, like, who did? Yeah, I honestly expected that that would lead to someone playing the game. Somebody who, right. uh, this this large overarching player figure who was doing something with manipulation with uh, maria but that that was just my little fan theory and it did not come to pass (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if uh you got that far in the book lb or uh or no i didn't I I assume it was pretty, you know, by the end, it's pretty heavily apply, uh, implied that that was serious using some manner of dark magic to save them because, quote-unquote, there are higher plans for what to do with her. Although in the end, you kind of wonder why. It was like, well, if if the other guy wanted her gone just so you could start having all of your... Uh, 
<clears throat> doing it because she was a threat to the the vengeance plans it would have been bad <laughs> to just fall down a well but yeah. uh, certainly uh, yeah. i believe we are meant to to assume it's it's them you know setting up the plans that uh that come out in episode 10 but of course are introduced so jokingly to begin with there's an, another quick fan theory that I, I think deserves a mention. This one was Andy's. She thought that the dark magic user was going to turn out to be Anne, which would explain why they saved them in the dungeon. And the amplification of all the emotions explains why everybody is falling in love with Katarina. Again, hmm. it's a thick fan theory that did not pan out long term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh brandon uh you kind of talked a little bit about it but i'm kind of curious if you'll elaborate on what were your thoughts when going into this last stretch of like three episodes and a villain appearing basically out of nowhere can you elaborate a little bit more about what you were thinking at this point um i i kind of agree with bama that like when this reveal happened it was kind of like the show kind of needed it because the show gestured at villainy literally for nine episodes previously. And so for it to sort of conclude with no villain, then there was from the, it, it feels like from the start, there was no actual threat that everything was always going to be fine. There was nothing for them to, for for her to actually overcome over the course of the series mm -hmm. um, so like I, I definitely agree that I think that a villain was needed um, and I think that to an extent most of the last three episodes just I, I kind of enjoyed them in an almost sort of just an adventure kind of way like it was just telling a you know not super dramatic but a dramatic story you know it wasn't like these people loved her but it wasn't about necessarily um the romanticism of it it was about uh, just very much caring about this person and trying to help her and help maria as a result um and i think that it was just to an extent just kind of fun from a almost like an action show sort of perspective even though there was no action it's kind of what it felt like um and that that was fun in its own way i feel like the show kind of did that throughout the series is that each part of it doesn't necessarily feel like they all feel like they are part of the same series but not necessarily in the same way like they certain parts of it focus on different thematic aspects. And uh, I'm going to flip this on you, LB, before I weigh in on it. Uh, from earlier answers, you obviously did not read up to this point. Uh, you asked me before if I was watching weekly. Uh, were you watching this weekly at the time? Uh, and if so, what was your impression going in 
to these in in the same factor of how did you how did you feel about it and was it you know what you expected or what you wanted from uh, the direction turn with episode 10 uh i was watching this weekly i watched it weekly when it first aired and i really enjoyed it um I wouldn't necessarily say that I was wanting a villain to appear at this point. I agree in hindsight that, yeah, the series did need some kind of dramatic ending. Otherwise, it would have just felt a little flat by the end. Um, uh, But in terms of how I felt about the way that they did it, I still think that and you can tell this by the my choice of words earlier (laughs) that it came in a little out of nowhere and even though they foreshadowed it a little bit in the dungeon it still felt a bit you know kind of oh shit we need something big to happen here's this guy so, you know, it just kind of felt a little rushed, I think, is the phrasing that I'm looking for in terms of introducing a villain and suddenly, you know, the chase and the adventure is on. Right, you got your serious elements here. Uh, th- this is where I, f- I figured that you would come a bit further aside, and the, one of the reasons I wanted to ask you is because obviously you've watched more shows and experienced more things, and from from my impression of the show through that point, it was feeling very, you know, Iyashike to me, uh, uh-huh. which to the others means just a fun healing sort of thing, and, and Iyashike sort of weird harem rom-com thing you don't need villainy in that kind of thing uh so i was i was certainly not expecting it i was certainly not thinking it needed it at the time and even as they were introducing it of course you had something that you know it, it was basically it was a big expected thing that was diffused very humorously the whole thing where it's like wait where are these people accusing katarina out of nowhere about all of these things that no one has witnessed that maria will deny and of course she's saved by everyone calling her a simple-minded idiot uh so so that turns i'm like oh okay that that's funny the moment of my doom arrived is literally the name of the chapter uh, and you know it's a part one going in, but you think it's just kind of ridiculous because they diffuse it, but then you end with the reveal of dark magic and the dark magic user and Maria disappearing, and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> and for me, it <laughs> caught me more flat-footed because I'm like, this show doesn't need it at all. Mm-hmm. In the end, I'm glad because of what happened through it, I thought it was handled very well, even though it was as utterly 
trope-laden cheesiness <laughs> as possible in the, uh, okay, she's taken out, she's dreaming, and everyone has to go cheer for her to wake up, and she does, and then, uh, then she just friendships the anime to death, wait, to, uh, to, to new, newfound life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the Which... actual villain, sort of, I guess. Right, isn't the the yes the the true villain the the old actual black magic guys there, but the one that we're meant to think is the the uh, villain, Mister Sirius Deke, nay Raphael. Uh, <laughs> you you get the whole turnabouts there. They, they toss a little bit of drama in there, but you get to see uh, Katarina. We never do learn her Earth name. I don't think. I was wondering that. <laughs> but uh, we get to see with her with her family, which is great. Extended scenes with Achan, which is double great. Uh, and they get to have a thing. And I'm like, you know what? I, I feel like I shouldn't be having feels from this dumb, utterly predictable thing. But it's <laughs> it's so fitting with this, <laughs> with the oblivious, dumb goodness of this character in the show that I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm fine with it. <laughs> it works. It's worthwhile. Yeah. A strange question. So the, the villain turn at the, you know, in episode 10 or whatever, like felt like such a hard turn that uh, I personally was like, wait, did they really never see Maria again? Like, does she die? Like, and for, I probably believe that for longer than I should have. Like, obviously, you think about it and you're like, oh no, it's not that type of show. But like, it just turns so sharply in that direction when it becomes evident that somebody else is behind all of this and Maria just disappears. It's like, whoa, what? Like, did you guys like get hung up on that and be like, did, is this a thing that's going to happen? Or was that just me? Uh, I I absolutely thought that Maria was gone and was never going to be seen again. And I was pretty shocked. And I, I felt a very real relief to find out that she was not dead. <laughs> so you were not alone in that. All right. Uh, I personally think that my experience with anime kind of spoiled this for me. I knew Maria was still alive somewhere there was there was when i was watching this weekly there was no thought in my head that said that maria had been killed in some way uh especially because she's supposed to be so such the main character ish uh so yeah so i think that my experience spoiled it for me if they had killed maria it would have rocket it would have dropped my jaw to the floor but mm. i think in the back of my mind that i always knew yeah she's fine i did not think this type of show would but thinking about it you're getting to the end of the season and uh, it's possible for something to take kind of a heel turn they cheated with the phrasing of it. If it comes across saying we never saw her again, that implies we never saw her again. Not this is 
Katarina of two days in the future saying that we haven't seen her in the past two days. Uh, So while I didn't think dead dead either, you know, coming back to it, this is an isekai. So I had a feeling that it was possible what you would get was something where Maria ended up being transported back to the other world kind of in Katarina's place and does something and helps her. Remember, she's the main character of the video game, which in some ways kind of implies that in this world, she's been superseded by Katarina. Maybe that's going to be Katarina's role. And so it was certainly possible, but it was made so by them using cheating language more than anything else. So I did overthink it due to that. Uh, first impression, certainly, I would not think that it's a type of uh, series that would, though. Uh, Bama, you wanted to jump in? <laughs> yes, I figured out why Bran and I were both uh, bamboozled. I, I, I think it has something to do with the fact that the first show we all watched together was uh, Magica Madoka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After <No>. that, okay. <laughs> We are clearly not shying away from huge shocks and genre switches. Yeah. That is no, true. The magical girl magical girl died? No way. So, alright. Uh so final episode, you know, everything basically wraps up with, you know, pretty much the exact way that everyone expects mm. it to, I think, with uh every with no harem member being chosen and, you know, Katarina being doubly oblivious, calling it the friendship ending. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. so That I'm is the most you. cruel act that Katarina ever does in the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, friend zones, what, eight people all at once? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so okay, so final impressions, uh, Brandon. How about you? Uh, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, you were the one that I was concerned with not enjoying the show more. So I'm kind of curious. Final impressions? Was it worth your time? Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely I enjoyed it. Um, it's. I'm not generally a huge like romance fan it's just not generally my thing i find that oh we lost it brand. tends to be nope. a little hold on we'll see underwhelming if compared to okay there we go okay there stuff. you are we lost you for a few seconds yeah i i figured as much i was kind of trying to roll with it and hopefully you guys came back and then we just had a nice, like a nice clean cut but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah romance stuff is not necessarily my cup of tea like i there's i think it's just a a difficulty of like suspension of uh belief disbelief because i'm just like yeah but this isn't just like fictional this is a fantasy on top of the fantasy and i just never it tends not to click but like to an extent that's not really what this show is like it is a show about somebody who's a really good friend and a bunch of people fall in love with her right so from the main character's perspective it's not a romance story like she's trying to work against a romance story in a way um she she is the villain 
Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, and I really, I, I think that that kept it away from the romance stuff enough that like I didn't get into the, like the, oh man, this is kind of boring and you know, nothing is going on. Um, it had plenty of things to laugh about, and the characters were charming and silly and um there is something about their love for her that is not necessarily romantic like they do romantic things but overall it's just that these people really just adore her right like you were saying she friend zones eight people but like they kind of know that and are not bothered by it like they don't care because they really just love her and Mm -hmm. like that kind of aspect of it is super cute. Um, I also get a kick out of the fact that like, oh no, this harem does exist. Like it is currently acting like in that last scene, they're bringing her tea and sweets (laughs) and she's just like, I have the best friends. And they're like, (laughs) we love you so goddamn much. (laughs) And uh, and Alan was officially uh, joined in it. He was a threatened joiner the whole time, and uh, yeah. and known. Uh, but he finally realizes it at the end. It's like, okay, yes. there we go. Yeah, yeah. He finally <clears throat> figures it out. Uh, Alan, I think, is is my best boy. If I had to to pick one, um, but yeah, I I very much enjoyed it even though I'm not generally a romance person, that's more of a backdrop for the things that happen than anything else. Right on. Uh, Bama, how about you? Final impressions? How were, how did this one strike you? I'm glad I watched it. I don't think it's going to be my favorite. Um, Andy loved it. She was very, very excited about season two, but I'm, I don't think I, I don't see myself following season two. I, the, the, the funniest part in the whole thing, I think, was when the villain tells Sirius, kill them all using your dark magic, that I was rolling. I'm going to Otaku Hell, y'all. I am bad. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it was cute. It was fun. And if the romance was any harder i probably would have thrown up all over it so you know good balance <laughs> i'm not a big romance fan myself uh ct did you have any final thoughts or opinions that you want or questions that you wanted to throw out there uh f- my opinions of the series have been you know fairly well conveyed so far uh yeah obviously implied by following season two and and just enjoying it uh it is i think interesting to you know predict are they going to do i think one of the things that will bother me i don't know how close the author is to actually finishing the series is if this will end up with a the the two things that you know happen in the open-ended unresolution ending of it which is kind of it's you get the flavor of it here at the end of season one where she's like oh my god it was the friendship ending and it's like uh uh a lot of people hate that obviously there hasn't been enough time to develop but i'm like if i follow this all the way to the end and that's the way it ends i think i'm gonna you know 
go on a torch and pitchfork kind of thing. But at the same time, I think I'd do the same thing if it ends up being her and Jordo or literally one of anyone else. Yes. I don't know if you can uh, make that big of a polycule very effectively, but, <laughs> but any of the normal we'll endings. Have tried. So uh, if yeah. anyone's going to, the, I think the, the way that I want the series to ultimately end is that uh, Katarina accidentally brings about world peace by basically <laughs> becoming a noble and traveling from land to land and accidentally making literally everyone fall in love with her and therefore peace among <laughs> uh, humanity is achieved through everyone loving Katarina. Uh, but there's always so the possibility... Are you, are you trying to, to say, you know, basically Katarina becomes Jesus? Effectively. Like... <laughs> she ascends to goddesshood uh, ac- accidentally. I, th- I think this series could pull it off. But like at the that. same time, I have a strong suspicion that Mary and Alan may kidnap her and like whisk her away to another land, at which point Jordo and others will, uh, you know get a whole navy and armies together to get her back and it'll go in a whole Helen of Troy direction and maybe the world will be destroyed for everyone uh, <laughs> requiring uh, their daily dose of Katarina-ness. But uh, I, I don't know where it's going to end up. But I feel like it's fun enough that, you know, it's it's worth the ride and I think that the author, you know, if it does end up being complete at some point within my lifetime which who knows this could go to 40 damn books for for all for all i know uh (laughs) i feel like it'll end well enough for what it is which is uh in the end not a truly aspiring thing but it 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 juggles all of its very various elements so well that it's uh it's just a very a very fun Iashike kind of ride. So I'm I'm willing to pal along. I I just wanted to just because it, it was a thing that crossed my mind that like also I think maybe Mary aside, like the mutual support of those characters for basically their metamors is just like <laughs> it it's nice to see it. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just, it, it's very easy, like, especially a lot of Western romantic media stuff is very much not that. Um, but even the, like, non-monogamous traditional harem type stuff is still, like, confrontational or very uh, dominated or controlled Whereas this is not like she is not controlling these people. They all just love her and support her and support each other. And it's like, it's almost like a dream come true, like um, almost kitchen table poly type thing where like you're very friendly with your metas and talk about shit. Like it's, Oh, she, she seduced another one, you know, like it's, it, it, even though they like pit them as rivals, they're not, you know, like for the most part, Mary aside. 
and it's just refreshing to see it in something you know i do feel like the particular confrontations between jordo and keith are definitely gonna boil over at some point some carriage ride they're just gonna go at each other yeah it it has to i mean right come on yeah I, i i think there might be some conflict like in that particular instance or something with mary because mary is also kind of possessive no i, um, I meant the uh make it out with each other direction i meant oh 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 i got you. <laughs> Hardcore, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i can definitely see that one <laughs> yeah but for sure i i think that would be i think that would be really funny um, i did not see that coming but it makes a lot of sense <laughs> Now that you say it, yeah. Now that you say it, yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, they they are they are a rivals to lovers trope, basically. You know, exactly. So what what about you, LB? Where where do you lie in this uh, cracked out fairy tale land? Uh, for me, when I watched this series, it actually when I. It aired the same year as Kakushi Goto, and to this day, I remember I posted a tweet series one day, basically ranking my favorite series from this year, and I put this series at number two and Kakushi Goto at number one, and to this day, I still kind of kick myself about that and think, you know, I really should have put this one at number one. Uh, this was such a fun series for me. I've enjoyed watching it and re-watching it. I think this is the third or fourth time I've watched this series. Uh, so, yeah. so This is just one of those really fun, like you said, borderline Iyashike, you know, series that's just really fun to veg out with and have a good time with and not have to think too hard about. That is true. It's... Uh... It's the it's the kind of thing. There are certain things that I just get a, a dopey shit eating grin when I'm uh, when I'm reading or watching some kind of thing. And th- this one isn't to the heights of other things, but it, it's certainly precisely that that enjoyability wheelhouse for me. Uh, so <laughs> I think that about. <laughs> I think that about wraps things up for this discussion. Before we go, though, CT and I have already discussed what the next series we are going to watch is going to be. I teased it in our private Discord chat, and Bama said that she wanted to be surprised by it. So I'm going to send a link right now. It's called Urutsuki Doji, and it is a (laughs) lovely romance of... Wait... No. <laughs> so yeah, so the series that we are going to be watching next is a little more actiony, not a, not quite on the level of Record of Lotus War. Rest in peace to that episode. <laughs> um, but it is still <laughs> a good one. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, but it's a good one. It is a series called Angel Beats. Nice. Okay. Yeah, so that'll give you guys, I'll get, let you guys, you know, take whatever time you need later on to, you know, look over the link I just sent and get an idea. Just to let you know, it is available on Netflix, so easy enough to find. 
Yeah, for you and anyone else who wants to follow along, Netflix has it, Funimation has it, Crunchyroll has it, so it's uh, easy peasy. And down for some action. Awesome. So, and on that note, I think we can about wrap things up. We're about at about an hour and a half, which is about good for us. So thank you again to everybody for joining me for another fun discussion. Thanks. Thanks. It was a great time. Uh, And thanks to all of you for listening to us ramble on for the last hour and a half. Remember that if you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a little like, share, or subscribe. Uh, And we will all talk to you all again very soon. Good night, folks. Bye. Bye.